Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. On the brink of an abyss. This Truth Talk is about politics. Moreover, it's about South African politics. Although the principles will apply to Christians living in any democratic country, I'm sure. Now, the last time I wrote or spoke about our national situation, we were at a distinct inflection point, moving closer and closer to the edge of a failed state abyss. Here we are again, teetering on the crumbling edge of that same abyss. Politics is a word that describes the governance of a country, or any other organized group for that matter. At a national, provincial and municipal level, it's about the rules that prescribe how we all live together, the financial and administrative aspects of our national life, and things like that. It's actually a vitally important subject, yet so many Christians avoid it as somehow unchristian or irrelevant. Well, perhaps this is because Jesus did not teach anything directly related to politics. Or maybe because church leaders have aligned themselves and their churches with particular political parties and have brought the gospel into disrepute. Perhaps it's also because so many of today's politicians are incompetent, corrupt and self-serving. In South Africa, we are balancing precariously on the rim of a failed state's abyss. Our levels of corruption, brutal crime, unemployment, economic growth or lack of it, resource management, and moral and ethical standards cannot get much worse. In fact, in many of these categories, we are rated as the worst in the world. A liberation, you see, liberation movement, that ostensibly set out to free the majority of the population from the tyranny of the minority, now governs us, although they have never been adequately trained to do so. In the main, they are Marxists, who have adopted some elements of capitalism in order to go rich and powerful. Over three decades, they have attained this ignoble goal, but in the process, have left the people they govern in a generally worse condition than they were under the previous regime. If we do not democratically remove this government from power in the soon coming general elections, then almost everyone, except them, of course, fears that we will plunge over the edge of the abyss into the horror of a failed state. All citizens of South Africa, whether Christians or not, need to vote. However, time is so short that we need to do more. We need to get involved in politics at one level or another, and it's an urgent matter. Now, what did Jesus say? And it's true, of course, that Jesus did not seem to concern himself with the politics of his day, but he did have something to say that points us in the right direction today. Then Peter and Paul expanded on this in their letters. Here it is. In Luke 20, verses 20 through 26, you'll also find that in Matthew 22 and Mark 12, it records one of the best-known sayings of the Lord Jesus. The Pharisees, you see, tried to trap him by asking him if it was right to pay taxes to Caesar. Very political, sensitive question of the time. Jesus asked for a Roman coin that bore Caesar's image on it and said, Give to Caesar what he Caesar's, 
and to God what is God's. See, the Creator made man in his own image, and so Jesus was saying that humans should give themselves to God whose image we bear. However, Caesar's image was on the coin, and so they should give that to him. Now, that's a brilliant response indeed. But we should not focus on his allusion to the image of God to such a great extent that we miss the implication that Jesus was actually endorsing the Roman government's right to what was due it. Paul came along later and he wrote, Everyone must submit themselves to the governing authorities, Romans 13.1. And then he expanded why by adding, Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. That's in Romans 13.7. And he also wrote to Titus, instructing him to remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready to do whatever is good. That's in Titus 3.1. Peter then teaches you on the same subject in what is probably the most succinct and well-formed of all these. He said, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or the governors, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it's God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God, show proper respect to everyone, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honour the King. You'll find that in 1 Peter 2 verses 13 to 17. So, so we cannot claim to have a biblical attitude towards government without engaging with the politics of our nation. And this holds true even more when our nation is on life support as it is now. You see, Peter and Paul and Jesus were in this way engaging with the politics of their day in a very positive manner, but they, they were engaging. So then, how can we respond today? Well, our political response to the urgency of, of our times is essentially one of three things. One, we need to pray. Paul wrote, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authorities, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all goodness, good, godliness sorry, and holiness. That's in 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 2. So, we need to pray urgently and persistently for our condition today. Two, we need to be good citizens. And our good citizens do not overthrow by force. Good citizens vote. Good citizens abstain from violent revolt, but they do not abstain from the democratic, democratic obligation to vote. And thirdly, we need to be influencers. We all have circles of influence and can communicate positively with people who perhaps don't know what to do in our times and our time of national distress. We can point them to Jesus. We can speak words of hope. We can help them to evaluate the options before them at this time. We can pray for them and influence them by living out a Christian political resolve. Now, I want to just repeat in a slightly different form these three things because I think they're really, really important. So first of all, we need to be a people who are praying, not just for our government, but for 
a good government and a godly government and good people to rise up, people of God, people of the word, people who are Jesus followers. And we need to keep on praying for that. We need to be good citizens. So many people have abstained from the vote in the past because they've said, oh, it's only me, I can't really influence things. Or they've said, well, what's the point? We've got this one huge big governing party and nobody can put them out of the way and we might as well just um, not vote because how on earth can we vote for them? And thirdly, we need to be influencers. Every single one of us has got influence, a circle of influence. We have people who read us, listen to us, walk with us, talk with us, family members, friends, business contacts, church, or whatever. We all have circles of influence. And what is more, we have the Spirit of Christ living within. We have the one who can influence the world. And we are the ones who can point to Jesus because we know him. We can speak words of hope because we have hope. And we can help people to evaluate the options before us at this time because we are calm and of a clear mind. We can pray for them and we can certainly influence them by showing how we as Christians, how followers of Jesus, how we are taking this matter seriously. Now, there are three ways set before us as we approach the 2024 elections. One, we can support, finance and vote for the party currently in power that has proven itself over three decades to be dominated by corrupt, self-serving, law-breaking and incompetent plunderers. And my response is, why in heaven's name would we want to do that? Two, we can support, finance and vote for the more extreme parties that pose an even greater threat to our national life than does the ruling party. And there's even less reason to do that. Or third, and the only remaining option, is to support, finance and vote for the emerging multi-party coalition of opposition parties that in its charter appear more in line with biblical values and in the main consist of God-fearing, non-Marxist people of integrity and goodwill. I must tell you, of the three options, I know that only the third will even come close to satisfying my need to be governed by men and women who most closely conform to biblical values, principles and priorities. I also feel strongly that only the third option will lead us into a time of peace and general well-being. And guys, without such conditions of peace and general well-being, we will not be able to exist and thrive as people of the book, as Christians, as Jesus follows. Now, seven political parties have recently met to agree on a way forward, and they will be opening the membership to all parties who are prepared to subscribe fully to their shared mission and governing principles. Now, the big idea here is to form a coalition government in waiting. We will all, all of us, myself included, will then be able to vote for any member party, any one of them, in the knowledge that it will be part of the post-2024 government. So whether I'm voting for a small opposition party or a large one, I can know that together they're going to be bringing one voice, one will, one mandate to the elections. Together they will act 
from now through to the elections to reach the millions of citizens, millions in our country, who have stopped voting because of disillusionment and hopelessness. And they will be trying to reach the millions who have not ever voted. It's mainly the younger folk. They will need our prayers, support, involvement, and financial backing to do this. If they succeed, then they will shortly rule our nation and we will have the opportunity of rebuilding a godly and prosperous society. The new coalition government will govern in accordance with shared governing principles, which they have listed as a commitment to the following eight things. One, the South African constitution, the rule of law, and the equality before the law. Two, decentralizing power to the lowest effective level of government. Three, accountable, transparent government with zero tolerance for corruption. Four, a capable government that spends public money efficiently to deliver quality services to all. Five, a caring government that puts people first and prioritizes the poor. Six, an open market economy. Seven, policies guided by evidence that they produce positive results for society. And eight, redress for our unjust just past by promoting non-racialism and unity in our diversity. Now, in addition to these principles, they have established the following eight priorities. One, growing the economy and creating jobs. Two, ending load shedding and achieving energy security. Three, achieving law and order that combats crime, corruption and drugs. Four, ensuring quality education that delivers opportunity for all. Five, delivering basic services to all through high quality infrastructure. Six, building a professional public service that delivers to all and ending cadre deployment. Seven, ensuring quality health care for all with a caring health care system. And eight, building a social relief framework for South African households living in poverty. Now, these principles and priorities are not uniquely Christian or biblical, but they do not contradict a biblical Christian view. And we have to concede that Jesus followers, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, do not constitute the majority of citizens in our country. And many who call themselves Christians, but I repeat, Jesus followers do not constitute the majority of citizens in our country. And we have to concede too that constitutionally we are a secular state. Now, I would dearly love to see our constitution changed back to its original preface, which read when they first drafted it, in humble submission to Almighty God, we, the people of South Africa. And I believe that this might well be possible under the proposed coalition government. I also believe that if people of integrity, goodwill, and intelligence govern us, we would see many godly changes coming into our national life. The contract that was actually signed by the seven founding parties to the multi-party charter for South Africa is available as a link on my article, which I've published on truthistheword.com. That's one word, truthistheword.com. Okay. So you might be tempted to think that we all we need to do is pitch up at the voting station and make our marks against a coalition partner organization. However, it may not even get that far. 
or it may not be as effective as hopeful if we do not act now. Each of us needs to pray for and support the coalition that we may even need to volunteer our services and financial support to the political party of our choice within that coalition. Actually do something, right? You see, how are they going to reach the millions of non-voters without our help? How are they going to withstand the fury of the godless without our prayers and encouragement? The matter is urgent. The times are critical. And every one of us needs to arise from our complacency or fear-induced slumber and act. May Almighty God give us resolve, perseverance and success. And may He have mercy on us. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, truth is